you are listening to Kurdish Woman podcast. KWP, a platform for and about Kurdish women. Follow KWP on Twitter at KurdishWPodcast. Hello, Kurdish Women podcast listeners. I am Yara Ismail, hosting this episode of KWP with Juan Rashid. Throughout this episode, we will be talking about our organization, Fendi Foundation, and how women and the youth are incorporated into a national Kurdish-American organization that serves our community. I am an uh, international relations and human rights uh, student at Claremont McKenna College in Southern California, and I am the director of development at the Kurdish Refugee Relief Foundation and the chief operating director for Fendi Foundation. Hi, Yana. Thank you so much. My name is Juan Rashid. I graduated from uh, the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. I graduated with a degree in analytics, and I was um, also a member of um, Kurdish Professionals, a volunteer, and now I am the executive director of the Fendi Foundation, and I work for Tennessee Immigrant Refugee and Rights Coalition. Awesome. Do you mind, uh, Juan, getting us started by talking a little bit more about in what context of other organizations and for the community as a whole was EF founded and what was the vision then and has it changed since? Yeah, Yara, that's a great question. Um, I think one thing that's really important to note is when I wanted to start a Fendi Foundation, it was because I had went to Kurdistan. Um, I'm specifically from Bashur, and I was able to volunteer at Yazidi camps in different schools with my family members, and I realized there was really a need for school materials. Um, so when I had came back, I had contacted Pijmagat LLC if the company wanted to do a project with me regarding sending school supplies to Kurdistan. Um they had agreed, and for a whole month, we had a campaign on that. When that campaign ended, it was really successful. We were able to touch three different schools um, in different areas of Bashur. And I kind of thought to myself, well, I think I can do more. I really want to involve the youth, and I want it to be in the diaspora and Kurdistan. Um, so I started a Fendi Foundation. When I started a Fendi Foundation, um, I really envisioned it to be a... Um, organization that was really oriented to the youth. Uh, why? Because I named it as well Effendi because my great-grandfather was a teacher and he was one of the only teachers in his region. Because of that, people would call him Effendi. And so um, I always knew the story and I thought it really related to what I thought I wanted to have as an organization, a modern view of our culture and traditions, um, but also to acknowledge the forced assimilation that we Kurds have faced over the years. Um, because of that, you know, I started Effendi Foundation. It was a more local organization, but within the first year, we've really grown and realized the need of it on a national level, and because of that, um, we've really tried incorporating as much youth and women as we can as well, all over the nation. So you mentioned local versus a national organization and how that changed a little bit over time, but do you, um, how many Kurds are there in America to begin with, and where are they largely concentrated? Um, we don't really know how many Kurds are in America. We estimate that it can be anywhere from 20 to 60 to 70,000. Uh, but a fun fact is the census in 2015 indicated only 20,000 Kurds in all of America. Um, that number seems greatly 
shorter than what we thought it would be because Nashville is one of the biggest areas, one of the biggest hubs of Kurds. It's even called Little Kurdistan and has its own little markets all over town, right? And so with that being said, we think that there's more and we want to make sure that we show that on a national level. But other areas that have a lot of Kurds would be Texas, where there's Dallas and Plano um, with a large population. And also San Diego and California has a large population. And we realized that if we really want to bring our, our Kurds together and unified, we have to bring all of these states together and unified, not just one state in one area. Um, and so we think there's a greater number than what is being shown to us now. We just have to show who we are through the census and other projects to have our voices heard. Right. So Kurds Count was, uh, you touched upon it already a little bit. Um, that was one of the main projects that EF has worked on uh, this year. And did EF do any other similar projects? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Kurtz Count is our census campaign. Um, in February, we had contacted three to four organizations and we had planned a six-month project on the census. And then slowly we got into votes, a Kurds vote. One thing that we realized with Kurds Count was it was really important to do the census because we wanted to be one, considered Kurdish, and then two, have a MENA category in 2030 so we can be proud of who we are and where we come from, right? Um, that campaign was really successful. We were able to get the youth, the older generation, and so many individuals involved in that project that everybody wanted to make sure their identity was heard, right? Well, that also transitioned into the Kurds Vote Campaign. And the Kurds Vote Campaign is just another initiative that we have where we want to make sure Kurds are voting because if they vote, then they'll have a degree of influence in the election, which would then inevitably help them, right? I think sometimes we don't think about the bigger picture and we think about what's going to impact me now. But with that being said, we've had projects such as webinars, mailings, phone banking, um, texts, emails to, to help make sure that all the Kurds that are uh, in our circles and in our communities know the importance of both the census and voting. You are listening to Kurdish Women Podcast. KWP, a platform for and about Kurdish women. Follow KWP on Twitter at KurdishWPodcast. Right. And one of the things that we... Uh, especially stressed during all of these campaigns was uh, the importance of Kurdish American identification and uh, fostering that identity and stressing that where you can reconcile both the Kurdish and American identities into one and it's, they're not competing against each other anymore in the sense that both organizations are making up the person that you are and the Kurdish identity of people who live elsewhere, including in Kurdistan, is significantly different than those in who live here who have who identify as Kurdish Americans. That's not to say that the Kurdish culture is different in any way, but it's just a different way of integrating both identities and cultures into one and creating that one that will encourage more, especially the youth who grew up here, to be able to come closer and identify with the community much more than before and to contribute and give back to it um, in an easier and in a more efficient manner because it matches how they feel about themselves better. And truly, this has been unprecedented. All of these campaigns and the growth that EF witnessed over the past year, even though it was one year and even one touched upon this earlier, it started with an idea of staying local in Nashville and then it has become 
a national organization in the U.S. that has also reached a lot of people in Europe and in Kurdistan even. And one of, and I'm just going to drop some of these statistics closer to the end of the year, just to show everything that EF has done. We've had over 60 organizers and volunteers, 22 partnerships with or different organizations, both Kurdish and non-Kurdish, and 15 businesses and media agencies, partnerships, and 20 collaborations. We have contacted directly over 5,000 people through texting, mailing, or phone banking. Uh, at least 15,000 people were reached, uh, and more than 5,000 through other social media outlets. At least 30,000 to 60,000 impressions, and we have operated in at least 12 states, including in California, Tennessee, Texas, Georgia, Virginia, D.C., Mar uh, Massachusetts, uh, Colorado, Michigan, Illinois, Fl Florida, and others. We And this is especially important and impressive in light of our greater mission to focus on institutionalizing EF as an organization that serves to connect the Kurdish-American community together and with the American society at large through focusing on civic engagement, um, advocacy, and creating a platform for uh, important discussions. This is, uh, this is different in the sense that we want to create a system where it's much easier for such uh, campaigns to happen and for it to continue even after us, the founders, the team, whoever it is on the board right now, uh, kind of with, uh, withdraws from the organization. So when we did the Curse Count campaign, that was one of the first national campaigns that were conducted in this manner. And it really made our job so much easier by the second campaign with Curtis Bow, it became much more efficient, better managed, better results, because we knew what we were doing, and that's the outcome of a system and an institution that knows what, that learns and self-develops, which is actually really lacking in a lot of other Kurdish organizations. So one of the ideas we stress about when we are talking about institutionalization is who we will have on board. So one, who do you think is, so we, you talked about targeting youth especially, but how is this organization led and by whom? Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I'm really excited to say is I think our organization is different for many reasons. One, I don't think there's really a lot of Kurdish organizations that are led by women. And then two, I don't think there's organizations that have a majority, if not all, of their board and their members led or, or female-led, right? Um, and I think for us, we have a different twist on things. We are a younger group of individuals, of females um, and a few males, uh, but with uh, our youth being so involved, we've been able to really reach the diaspora in ways that are different through statistics, through different means of social media, through ways of connecting that have been uh, different than what generationally and usually has been the case. And so a lot of it is thanks to the females on our team, um, their involvement, their passion and their commitment um, to really cherish an organization as we're growing and expanding, I think has been one of the leading reasons for our success as EF. Right. One of the things that we have tried to be cognizant of is avoiding this mistake that many others make, which is Talk, bringing women into the table only when talking about issues related to women and their 
uh, their empowerment. So we want to make sure that we're talking uh, about issues that pertain to women and the society at large, putting women in decision-making positions and influential positions, and having conversations about women, by women, and for women. So what do you think is uh, the main way that we have done that for EF1? Yeah, so I think um, one of the main ways, and it really helped us, was our first webinar that we had. Um, it was our women's webinar, and that women's webinar was really influential in the sense that we were able to connect to both the diaspora in America, Europe, and Kurdistan as well. Um, I think this is where we were able to see our power in the sense of connecting with all individuals. I think a lot of times we feel that we're either left out or alone because we have these two cultures, right? The culture of the diaspora and the culture of being Kurdish. And sometimes they clash with each other and we either don't know who to talk to, talk to or to uh, feel comfortable with because it seems that maybe sometimes everybody else's life seems in order. When in reality, that's not the case. We're all fighting this um, double identity, right? And so that woman's webinar was really influential in uh, giving us the platform we needed to receive the support to show that we, Individuals aren't, aren't alone. The youth is not alone. The females aren't alone. And through that, we were able to start other webinars. Um, webinars such as Black Lives Matter, such as uh, U.S. policy and voting, such as um, becoming an entrepreneur. And we don't mean to exclude any groups. If anything, we want to include all groups and we want to create a campaign where men and women can work together and then other individuals who identify with uh, different preferences, right? And I think those are really important things. Um, I think one of the, the issues that we're trying to stress, as Juan mentioned, is inclusivity and providing a platform for people who want to be active in their community to make the change that they want to see. And as a closing remark, we want to just talk very briefly about how we perceive um, activism in the role that we play because our goal here is to bring together and agitate people like our volunteers and our organizers and even you the listeners to this podcast to bring back to our circles a newfound trust in ourselves as agents of change and in organizations that allow, you, uh, allow us to accept our own responsibilities and function as a vehicle to create that change and to establish the institutions and platforms that can both encourage greater participation and allow others to take part in this take part in this system and in this process to which would we hope encourage new members to hop on on the bus of activism for our Kurdish community who tends to have that uh, in their blood a little bit and also to provide the platform for people who are interested in this but um, cannot take the initiative to create the system themselves because truly this is also a privilege and as much as it is it looks like a curse sometimes but thank you to everyone for tuning into this podcast oh uh, one do you have anything else to say yeah, um, we're so open to any suggestions, any projects. Um, we really want to work with the community and what our community may want in the sense of their growth and what they think is needed, right? Um, so if you have any questions or you want to be a part of, um, you know, impacting what we can, please message us, please reach out to us. We're really friendly and we really enjoy trying to, you know, be a part of change. So um, I guess that would be my, my closing as well. You are listening to Kurdish Woman Podcast.
KWP, a platform for and about Kurdish women. Follow KWP on Twitter at KurdishWPodcast.